Welcome back on this podcast. I'm Tony. And I'm Orion. And we're back after a long hiatus. Um, we took a bit of a summer break, if you will, you know, to sort of uh, refresh and rejuvenate. And uh, so hopefully but we're better uh, than ever. Um, so, yes, but we are, of course, here for all things Thomas and Friends, Shining Time Station, the Railway Series, etc. And it is the third that I listed that we are talking about today. We are talking about um, a, a butch that has often been cited as one of the fans' favorites on a regular basis. Um, and that would, of course, be Duck and... Yes, yeah, this is a um, definitely often listed at the top of many fan polls of the Railway Series. Of course, as the years go on, um, those polls change depending on, you know, kind of uh, the predominant demographic of the fan base. But uh, I think this would probably still rank highly if we took a poll right now of the overall fan base that this would still be towards the top of the Railway Series books. certainly overall and, and definitely um, of the reverend's book specifically. So, um, but yeah, this is uh, uh, this of course is kind of a turning point for the railway series, just to, as a broad overview to start um, without diving into the story specifically yet, but this is a changing point for the railway series. The tides are turning on British railways in general Um and uh, really railways all over the world at that time. But but specifically, of course, he's writing about uh, what he knows. So British railways with dieselization coming in, uh, not quite rapidly quite yet, um, but certainly um, the basis for diesel in these stories uh, was becoming quite prominent on British rail. Right. Um, and, you know, of course, it's being a railway man himself because – Aside from just being a railway enthusiast, the Reverend, you know, was one of the founders of the Talithlin Railway Preservation Society. Uh, and you know, obviously not on the Talithlin, but on other railways. Uh, it, it's no mistake that diesel is a class 08 shunter because those were probably the if the. If Dutch Basis was one of the most uh, was one of the steam locomotives that you would see most regularly running along uh, the western region of British Rail, and was the most common diesel you would see at least at that time, uh, they were everywhere, and so it's no mistake that the first diesel in the railway series is a Class O H Hunter. And what's interesting too is that even as the years went on, um, the you know the the pannier tanks and the class 08s actually ran side by side <laughs> for many years. Um, so it, this is not a total work of fiction um, necessarily no. in terms of the interaction between those two locomotive types. And um, what, of course, the great irony of Thomas is that the basis um, of course the basis for Thomas specifically has been debated over the years because of the fact that the Reverend's original model was not an E2 but (laughs) um, just going off the E2 the the great irony is is that 
arguably the most famous locomotive in the world is Thomas the Tank Engine, and his basis cannot be found on any heritage railway. That basis is gone. It's been they were all scrapped. Um, yep. There is not a single one surviving. And, and there are no plans to make a new build, no matter what you might hear. And the few and the few people that are are not are 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 feasibly unlikely to be able to actually make one. Right. Um, but what's interesting is that the lesser the the slightly lesser known characters of the railway series and the Thomas franchise are ubiquitous on heritage railways in the uk oh, yeah. so there's pannier tanks everywhere specifically that you know the the gwr class uh, is it the the 57 it's um, the 57 and then, yeah and then the class 08s they're they're everywhere so yeah it, it's quite interesting the, the great irony of of the the thomas franchise and its relationship to heritage railways is that yep in order to do a day out with Thomas event, they have to disguise something else as an E2 instead of just having them available. Whereas right. they can make a duck pretty, pretty easily, uh, particularly just one that comes to mind is the Severn Valley railway right. um, has, has a pan your tank, um, you know, and, and they're, they're able to, to do that. Or of course, Stepney is a real preserved locomotive or the locomotives of the Tattleton railway are able to be used for the Scarlowy engines. So it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and certainly if you, if you look at heritage railways in the UK, you will see many of these two locomotive types, um, the around and, uh, and in use. So, yeah. um, but Speaking of uh, real-life steam locomotives, uh, the, our first story, Domeless Engines, has a real-life steam locomotive in it, uh, City of Truro. Yes, absolutely. That was actually going to be uh, my my exact transition oh, into nice. the first story here, um, the Domeless Engines. So um, we'll just jump right in here. Now, of course, he the Reverend does mention it in the foreword um, that he uh, basically contrast the the beginning of the book to the end of the book in that he talks about that there have been two visitors to the railway one of which is city of Truro and he yep. says that it's a very famous engine and then the other visitor uh is is very different um <laughs> and something that is um you know interesting is that he does say that the fat controller wrote that he doesn't believe that all diesels are troublesome no uh, but this particular one upset the engines however going forward in the railway series basically every other diesel that shows up is troublesome other than um rusty rusty is right. the only diesel um that is not um troublesome um i mean boco and doesn't receive its come, come up it's i yes it, it, you're you're quite correct i forgot about boco towards the end of the towards the end of the reverend's run and then of course yeah. daisy redeems herself um and, and, so and Davis redeems herself Yes. Exactly, but they start but out most of them. Other yes. than other than Boko or Rusty, um, you know They're they tro- they they start out troublesome, and um, but it, it's interesting, and and also of course, um, Rusty is actually introduced in the next book. So yes. um, you know, we we have that um, contrast here between this this one showing that diesels are bad, and then the next one um, that they're not all bad necessarily. So yeah. Um, but jumping right into the first story, Domeless Engines, this is uh, this is a nice story. Um, yeah, and it does. It certainly feels like it could have been in the eight famous engines, mm-hmm. 
given the relationship between Duck and Gordon that's kind of established in Gordon Goes Foreign. Right. It totally feels like this would this could have been in that in that book. Um oh, it definitely of that relationship, which is what I really liked about a lot of the Reverend's stories, is that the relationships that are formed in one book continue throughout uh, much of the rest of the series. And I know that this is only like one or two books later, but, uh, you know, it is nice to see that relationship uh, continue. Well, right. And what's interesting, too, is that this following up from the eight famous engines, it feels similar to how Percy takes the plunge leads off that book as kind of a continuation of Percy, the small engine. This feels like it could go into the eight famous engines just because that particular book is just really a collection of stories without any main um, arc. Whereas the, the uh, ending three stories, uh, the remaining three stories in this particular book do have an arc. Whereas right. this one doesn't really tie in to the rest of the, um, to the rest of the stories, apart from the fact that city of Truro showing up makes duck boast more about the great Western railway. Although that was already established that he does that in duck takes charge in, in person small engine. So it's actually interesting that really over the past three books, um clearly the the reverend had many story ideas for duck he seemed to be a very fruitful character mm. to write for um because he was able to include him as a major character in stories in in three books in a row and in this particular book there's four stories so you he's he's a major character in six different stories in right. the span of three years so it's it's quite uh quite impressive really um I mean, those are good odds for the railway series. I mean, obviously, you know, early on when there were only a handful of characters, we had, you know, Thomas would appear in like his four stories. Gordon would appear in all, <laughs> every other story, basically. Uh, but now, as as you said, Ducks appeared, you know, six times in many books. And so, uh, you know... Uh, the Reverend clearly had a lot of ideas, as you were saying, had, clearly had a lot of ideas for Duck. And it's great to uh, see how much mileage he gets and will continue to get out of this character. Yeah, a a absolutely. Um, so and this is the first time that we have a real engine yes. in the railway series. Um, so, um, again, kind of establishing that this is, uh, it, of course, we've already established that it is connected to the mainland in some way because Gordon went to London in the last book. But, right. Um, this particular one, we have uh, a named engine as opposed to the, uh, the engine that derailed from the other railway that's in the, uh, in the previous book in Gordon goes foreign. So it's, it's quite interesting. Um, of course, when this story was adapted, to the TV series, he had to leave out some of the specific references uh, in which Duck is uh, talking about being all ship shape and Swindon fashion. Of course, mm -hmm. Swindon was the main works for uh, the Great Western. And then, of course, uh, uh, talking about the Southwestern and taking the run from Plymouth to Bristol, all of that, uh, it's not was not really adaptable into the TV series. But, would, um, but would, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Get because I, you know, obviously at this point, Britt was thinking of the American audience, and you know, uh, but I, I do like how, uh, and and I, 
and I will, will have seen the TV version of this before having read the railway series, of course, because we're both friends. Um, I actually kind of like that we spend a bit in the way series uh, book as much as I like the Domeless and forget the name of uh, Gordon and the Special Visitor. Uh, you know, I, I do like that we spend a bit of time with City of Truro here and that he's not just a special visitor who remains nameless. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, in this uh, book here, it is uh, established now in the previous book when Gordon went foreign, when Gordon went to London and we saw the engine derailed, that was the depiction of that by John T. Kenny. That engine was so far back in the, in the frame, if you will, in, in the picture that, um, that even if he had drawn a face, we couldn't have seen it. So I don't, I just don't think he bothered. Um, but in this one, it, it's definitely a deliberate decision that city of Truro and the second illustration of the story for those who are following along uh, is, is facing duck, but away from the, you know, from our eye away from at the picture. So, um, so therefore it, it is it, trying to establish that, you know, most likely he doesn't have he, he or he, doesn't have a face or, or has a face on Sodor, but we're, we're not seeing it. Right. Um, so it, it's, which quite is rather clever when you think about it. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's, it's just kind of clever in that, you know, it's um, obviously for um, Stepney and later other famous engines that would show up in the series. Uh, you know, he would, uh, the illustrators would give them faces, uh, but I thought it was kind of clever to, uh, you know, only feature life locomotive from the back so that we don't see uh the face so that when you do go and see the real life locomotive you're not disappointed that he doesn't have a face <laughs> so right absolutely um so yeah i mean this is a this is a it's a good story um it's humorous yeah. as uh you know in the reverence uh clever way uh, that he did humor. It's nice that Edward has a little bit of a role in this story since he was sometimes short on writing for Edward. Um, yep. So it's, I always uh, like any time that Edward can have some sort of speaking role in the railway series. Um, something that I do quite like uh, and I wish that had been adapted for the TV series is the coaling stage. I, we haven't really touched on that, but no. it is shown in, in illustrations in the previous, uh, in many previous stories, uh, particularly I can think of in Duck Takes Charge and um, and some of the other stories in uh, Troublesome Engines as well. Um, but it's a shame that that wasn't adapted uh, in the TV series because I think that's a nice, uh, it's a nice set and it uh, provides a nice sense of scale for the engines as well, but uh, just wasn't, uh, wasn't made for the TV series, but yeah, the tolling stage we got in season three wasn't as cool as the one in the railway series. Right. Yeah. Not really even the same thing really. Cause it's no, not, really not the same, not at least not supposed to be at the same station. Um, but I, I do, it's a nice story. Um, and like I said, it, it's nice that it has Gordon in it and, mm. uh, Again, kind of Gordon getting his uh, comeuppance, so it's a it's a fun little, a fun little story, and I particularly like John T. Kenny's illustrations, uh, of the viaduct, and mm. uh, he just draws Gordon or painted Gordon very very well. Yes, um, yeah. Partic- of course, his 
probably his most iconic illustration of the railway series is from Gordon Goes Foreign, um, of Gordon going across the viaduct in that particular story. And uh, he, he just really paints Gordon so well, and it's so nice to to see that in this story. It really makes it. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice story, and uh, I can't really say much more about yeah. about that really but I, I just do i do really like uh, it's the um seventh illustration i think yeah uh, i think it's the one you were talking about actually the one where gordon is going across the violet i really love and i love it in the tv series the image of gordon's dome flying off but like you said john t kenny's illustration of that is gorgeous uh it's very nice so uh but yes, uh, moving on to our next story, uh, the beginning of uh, as in the TV series been dubbed the Duck and Diesel trilogy, and it really kind of is in the railway series as well because, uh, as you said at the beginning, uh, the 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 second, third, and fourth stories aren't really connected to the first story aside from Duck being involved at the beginning of that story. So yes, but Pop goes the Diesel. Yes, uh, and again, funny, uh, clever title. Um, yep, and it's a very good story. Uh, I like that he says that diesel purrs and oily voice. I like that they carry that over to the TV series. Um, oh yeah, in in the narration, um, Diesel is a, a nice character. We haven't really had any sort of major antagonistic character. No. Yet in the in the railway series um the engines are cheeky or rude um but none of them have really been um you know villainous in right. any way so this is the first time that we really have that and of course it's a diesel so i mean it it's a bit of a metaphor for the dieselization taking over steam locomotives on british rail but at the same time in the next book he introduced a friendly diesel so right. uh which of course also represents the separation from the kind of pastoral idyllic world of the Scarlowy railway set up in the mountains and the countryside versus the, the main line, which is industrial and gritty. And uh, right. so those diesels are a bit more uh, oily and, uh, you know, sneaky <laughs> and treacherous and, and devious um, yeah. as opposed to a friendly, helpful, kind little diesel who, you know, kind of put puts along the, the winding narrow gauge line up the mountains to the slate quarry. So it's a little different, but, um, uh, and of course that's even established in the next book with, uh, with Duncan, that Duncan worked in a factory. That's why he's so gruff and, right. uh, you know, uses, um, you know, what in the railway series terms and, and world foul language, but, yeah. um, and so kind of the same thing with, with this diesel here, because he's, uh, oily and, and industrial. So, um, yeah, it is interesting that the engines were all kind of duped by diesel. Right. At least it's established that it's the that that it's the three uh, big engines, you know, Gordon, James, and and Henry. It doesn't. We don't see an illustration of the other engines. It just says that, uh, and and the only engines that he refers to that diesel refers to in his dialogue is uh, are James, Gordon, and Henry. Right. So we don't know if the other engines were uh you know kind of seduced by by diesel's treachery but well, it's, see, I it's would established think... i'm sorry go ahead 
No, I would, no I, would, I would think that with this being said on the main line, by this point, Thomas, Toby, and Percy are all on uh, Thomas's branch line. Uh, or I think Percy's at, uh, I think, yeah, Percy's at the harbor. So that's Thomas's line as well. Um, so really, the uh, I don't know if Edward had his branch line yet or not, but the only engines that would have been there aside from possibly Edward would have been Gordon Henry and James and well, so, Oh yes. Yeah. And Edward definitely had his own branch line um, at that point. Yeah. Okay. Um, would have been on the Wellsworth line. And so really uh, the only engines that he could have met were um, Gordon Henry and James, uh, which it is, it is interesting how he, he, he sort of does a bit of ego diesel does a bit of ego stroking and, you know, we, we talk a, it, a, a big deal is made about James in particular being vain and you know that he is in this book. It's shown that Gordon and Henry are just as vain. Oh, know, absolutely. And they haven't really over. learned anything since troublesome engines. They haven't no. really learned that they, that they were wrong and that they were stuck up and that they, um, you know, shouldn't have uh, been so naughty. And um, it, it's interesting that they, that they really just never, they never learn. Um, now and it is also interesting too that uh that it's it's it feels odd that the other engines aren't here given that in the tv series they're always where they're not supposed to be um it feels odd here that they are that there are only three engines at least that are named that are on the main line of course it was established by the reverend later that there were more engines on the line you know probably at any time that just weren't weren't written about but um i mean you can't but, you can't run the main line of the island's major rail three locomotives right yeah um but no i i find well i find the whole duck and diesel saga fascinating but um you know i i find this story interesting just like duck right off the bat doesn't diesel for a minute uh you know, uh, you know it, it's so interesting because Doug was bragging about how great the Great Western Railway is at the very beginning of the story, and then suddenly Diesel comes in. And he's like, "Wait, what's this? That's you know, this doesn't feel right." So, uh, I, I just find it interesting how quickly his whole attitude changes when Diesel shows up. So, yeah, yes, I, I, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, one thing that I, I really like too is that um, is when he corrects him uh, yeah. when he says you're worthy fat and then he and then Doc cuts him off and says Sir Topham Hat to you which I think <laughs> is the first time that any of the engines have ever called him Sir Topham Hat it is um, as opposed to um, I think he was referred to it in the you know in just um, the the prose but not in dialogue um, right by any of the engines specifically and i can't quite remember when he was first referred to as her top and hat but um i think i don't recall either we established that before yes but um but in any case um he's still it, it might well have been referred to as what's that i think it was in one of the forwards that we established it i don't know if it was actually within a story or not but i'm fairly certain that when when the title Henry, switched, the, Henry the Green Engine. Yeah, when the um, title switched from director to controller, I was, you know, the fat direct, the fat uh, Sir Topham Hat is now known as the fat controller, where he was previously a director. So yeah, 
or something to that effect. I the wording, but yeah. But either way, uh, no, that that correction is interesting because, like you said, no one's really ever referred to him as that um, within the dialogue that we've seen. It's always been, you know, either when speaking to him, sir, when speaking about him, the fat controller. So. Um, I <laughs> we see very clearly that Duck feels very protective. The fact that like, hey, only we can call him that. It's the sort of thing. It's the sort of thing like when you get when you meet someone new and they try to call one of your friends a nickname and like, no, only we can call him that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, the exact same thing. Um, so it's a very interesting dynamic established there yeah. um, right away. And I do love the John T. I mean, we'll, we'll just keep going on and on about the John T. Kenny illustrations, oh. but I do love, I do love the yard. Um, oh yeah. Depicted here with the, the, you know, kind of classic British mid-century um, industrial buildings there with the brown brick uh, just has a great look to it. And, uh, and then of course his trucks, the way that he does the truck smiles and the laughs and everything was uh, was exactly what was borrowed for um, and then adapted into the TV series for the molded faces with the very V-shaped laugh. Um, yeah. And uh, and the teeth and everything. It's just it was adapted just pitch perfectly right into oh. the TV series. So it's they're, they're great to look at. They're wonderful illustrations and so expressive. And then, of course, the Reverend continues his theme of having uh, songs and ditties in his mm -hmm. stories uh, occasionally. So in, uh, I think the last one that we would have had would have been in um, Percy, the small engine yes. with the song at the end of Percy and Harold. Yep. And then would, the diesel. Uh, right. Absolutely. Before that, we, we had it in Gordon, the big engine with this right. Gordon fell in the ditch. So this yep. is uh, pop goes the diesel. And um, of course this one, there's no real, uh, confusion as to the melody of the song as opposed yeah. to when he wrote sheet music for the Percy song and then uh, there's been various interpretations of what the melody should be for the Celio Gordon fell in the ditch uh, particularly right. in the TV series as Ringo Starr did it one way and George Carlin um, for us US listeners did it another way so um, it's a, a little bit uh, um more clear cut here since he's just adapting a, a very familiar tune. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's a classic children's nursery rhyme. Uh, Pop goes the weasel, of course. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's, he adapted it for uh, the railway series. Um, and so uh, it's, it's instantly recognizable because I mean, who hasn't heard Pop goes the weasel in, well, right, and and also it, it spoiled me because now any time that I hear Pop Goes the Weasel when I'm uh, using a Jack in the Box or something, of course I don't regularly use a Jack in the Box, but <laughs> uh, how did you but, use it? But if I come across a Jack in the Box or something, yeah. or I hear the tune, I automatically fill in Diesel when it yeah. should be Weasel, um, just because that's what I grew up with, and that's uh, what's always in uh, in my mind, obviously as a as a Thomas fan. So, oh yes. Um, but we can move on to our next uh, story here, which is Dirty Work. And uh, yep. this is the uh, part two of the Duck and Diesel trilogy. And this is where the, you know, the plot kind of intensifies here and the conflict between Diesel and Duck heats up a little bit and gets, probably, and gets more dirty. It's probably um, 
barring, of course, Henry's punishment at the end of the sad story of Henry, it's one of the darker stories we've had so far, uh, you know, because um, obviously, like I said, barring Henry's punishment at the end of sad story of Henry, this is, you know, uh, the first time that we have an engine being sent away, even though he's just being sent to another part of the railway, he's still being, you know, shunned, essentially. right absolutely um and that that is um an interesting development for the railway series and uh and and it leaves you on kind of a cliffhanger there uh right you transition into the last story close shave so um but this is a this is a a good story um Mm. graceful disgusting despicable lines Mm -hmm. from gordon james and henry i like that that um uh, i i just like that that uh, trio of dialogue there. Oh yes. And um, yeah, there's some, again, there's some good illustrations in here. I particularly yeah. like the standoff between Gordon and duck, um, which I believe mm. is the fifth illustration in the yes. story. Um, for those who are following along with uh, the Sir top uh, with Sir top hat in the middle, kind of mediating. Mm. And, um, and of course the insults are great too. The, um, Galloping sausage, rusty red scrap iron, and old square wheels for Gordon, James, and Henry, respectively. Yes, those, uh, those are great nicknames as well. Great nicknames. Um, and now, have you? Uh, we now obviously we didn't get the annuals being from America, uh, but thanks to the internet, we you know there are recorded versions of like like basically people narrating or reading out the annual stories have you heard any of um christopher audrey's duck and diesel trilogy which uh well it's called the duck and diesel trilogy only because it takes place during that time uh which basically expands on where diesel got the ideas for those nicknames have you have you heard any of those i am possibly have of course um as we have established before uh, you and i have been thomas fans or you know active adult thomas fans i should say or at least you know teenage to to adulthood yes uh thomas fans for uh about, uh eight years so um er, I, i'm sorry uh about uh, f- uh almost 15 years i should say yeah. um so in those 15 years it's certainly possible that I heard them. I don't quite remember if I have or not, but I do. I'm aware of their existence. That okay. there are the three stories that uh, kind of fill in the gap there. Um, but yeah. I don't quite recall any of the specifics of those particular stories. No, I don't either, but I know that I've heard it um, simply because uh, there's like two or three different recordings of each of them that I know that I've heard. Um, uh, they're interesting stories. They're nice. Uh, I, I, I kind of like that Christopher, uh, filled in the gaps a little bit in some of his annual stories, particularly in those three. Uh, not that there needed much, not that there was much that needed to be filled in, but still it's, it's nice to know where those nicknames came from. Uh, but yes, no, I, I thought they were very uh, inventive nicknames. Uh, you know, um, obviously uh, the most inventive nickname would come much later on in the series, but um, yeah. Uh, this is this is a great story uh it's 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 very um as i as i said it's it's very dark uh comparatively to the rest of the book so yeah yes absolutely um and and he sends him away at the end um and yeah. i i love the last line diesel smirked with triumph in the darkness Ooh, um, man. just 
pure evil. Um, it is. And, and of course, it's established here that Duck will be going to Edward Station. So he's going to the, the Wellsworth branch. Right. Um, and, uh, or you know, the Brendan branch, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Wellsworth, Brendan, whatever you want to call it. Um, I know we, we, we don't really talk about this very much. Um, we, we, I think we've only talked about it one other time. Uh, the Railway Stories, uh, the audiobooks uh, versions of those. Uh, obviously, Duck in the Diesel Engine was done by Willie Rushton. Um, who is my personal favorite of the Railway Stories narrators. Um, oh, mine as well. I, I really love, um, in general, Willie Rushton, but his narration for uh, Dirty Work is fantastic. And I encourage, if you haven't, if any of you out there listening haven't heard it, I encourage you to look it, look it up, uh, because like, the way that he reads out, especially the last line, is just so great. It's really good. Definitely. I, I encourage everyone to just check out uh, all of Willie Rushton's uh, narrations. Yeah. Um, he, he was just absolutely superb. Johnny Morris is okay. Um, he's a- you know, it's a good, good start, but not, not quite my favorite. Um, Willie Rushton is great. And then of course, uh, Ted Robbins is quite good for the Christopher Audrey stories as well. So um, good to listen to. And then of course, um, uh, uh, Michael Angelis, uh, he did the uh, some of the stories in the Rally series later in the uh, mid mid to late two thousands, I think. Um, and those are those are okay. Of course, that was at the time that he was slowing down his narration <laughs> quite a bit, unfortunately. So um, and uh, so it isn't perfect, but um, but certainly uh, worth a listen. And uh, but I, I would encourage anyone anyone to listen to Willie Rushton. I used to listen to them to go to sleep uh, quite often because not that they put me to sleep because they're boring, but just because he's uh, he's lively, but also relaxing in an interesting way. So definitely yeah. encourage everyone to check those out. But no, no I, I just love, uh, you know, it's, it's the entire story, of course, but last line about darkness it's you can feel the tension but of course that leads us into the final story of the book which is a close shave yes um and this is um a very good story i think it's a very fitting conclusion to the book um i would say this is my favorite story of the four Hmm. in the book um just because i i uh, i like the fact that he crashes into a barbershop interesting um oh. it's an interesting crash and um and i like i like the, the little moments at the beginning um with uh with duck and edward just kind of working working the branch line together they make a nice pair and again it's just nice to see nice to see edward again but um it's uh, a very exciting chase with the trucks i do like that i love that they say chase him bump him throw him throw him off the rails uh and um yes you know and i love that it says that they that they were hurtling bumping and swaying with ever increasing speed it's very good descriptive Mm. prose that really uh like i like we've said the the reverend really improved as a writer i think as the series went on and he really started to hit his stride here i think in the kind of in the middle period of his writing yeah and uh so this is uh you know this is some of some really 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 exciting writing and um and paired with the illustrations paired with such great 
active, exciting illustrations from John T. Kenny, it really makes it, uh, it really makes it very exciting. So, um, but, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very nice, uh, very nice story. And again, the crash is amusing that he crashes into the barber shop and, uh, and that then the barber lathers his face with, um, with shaving cream. And it, what's interesting too, is that then this clearly establishes that the faces are not just purely for showing the expression no, they're they're there. Um, uh, you know, in terms of an illustrative device yeah. to show the expression of the engines, but they're not actually seen by the the people in world. But in yeah. this case, it's it's clearly established that they one hundred percent are. Oh yeah. Um. So it, I like that quite a bit. Me too. Um. I was gonna say I like how. Um, <laughs> I like how how the the barber starts off almost fairly nonplus, but then gets very angry quickly uh, because, you know, it, it says in here that the customer, you know, after the crash, the customer jumped nervously, but the barber held him down and it's only an engine. He said calmly and went on lathering. And then when Dutch tries to talk, he's like, Nope, I'm not hearing any of it. You're getting uh, some shaving cream. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a very funny it's very funny how how he starts off very calm and nonplussed, and then just sort of jumps right to anger. Like it feels like it takes him a minute to realize exactly what's going on because you know because of the reaction. Oh, it's just an engine. So yeah. Well, that's the risk that you take when you set up a barbershop at the end of a of a railway track. And I would say, and and, and that's and that's an issue that I have. That, that's the only issue that I have with this story. And I know I'm being nitpicky here. Why is there a barbershop at the end of a railway line? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it may have been common, um, not not barbershop specifically, but the right. the, the businesses, I, I suppose, being at the end of the line. I mean, they have to go somewhere, and um, and of course, in in Britain, uh, railways are pretty ubiquitous. So we as Americans can't really comprehend um, the the integral nature of railways in in Britain um, as opposed to here. For American listeners, of course, you know, railroads in America, they're there, but they're kind of, they're almost hidden. We really kind of don't really pay that much attention to them unless we have to cross them in a car um, or something of that nature. But um, railways are everywhere in Britain. Uh, yeah, and and integral to, to everything, particularly, of course, at that time. So I'm sure yeah. that there were little outbuildings and little things. Of course, we see a cafe, the MC Bun. Yes, um, cafe uh, established next to the barbershop in that particular spot. So it's, it is uh, interesting. The one illustration that uh, always uh, kind of makes me chuckle is the, um, it is the last illustration of the story. Okay. And if you look at, um, he does a pretty good job in general getting the faces. Cause it's kind of a hard thing to do if you're doing yeah. the faces at an angle um, of sure. course, we're at a higher up angle here, and he gets he gets uh, Gordon, Henry, and Thomas pretty well, but Toby's face uh, is very odd. Um, oh my! And, uh, and kind of creepy, actually. Um, uh, it, yes, because it it too hard to do because of because of Toby's flat uh, front. 
Um, right. There's nothing to really establish any sort of uh, scale or, or distance from no. the buffer or anything like that that you have with with uh, Thomas, uh, Henry, or Gordon in this particular scenario. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, wow, I, I really hadn't noticed that as you pointed out, and wow, that is funny. <laughs> that's very funny. Um, so the interesting thing, uh, I, I, I usually, I usually talk about, you know, the real life incidences that, um, you know, tied into this, but for the most part, um, the second and third stories don't really have that many incidents. I mean, they refer to incidents, but, um, yeah, it's mostly just the, the second story is mostly, and then the. Uh, second story is mostly Diesel getting back at Duck for a the perceived slight of uh, the Trutz laughing at him. Uh, the first story, Christopher didn't really name, because I'm taking this from Soda reading between the lines. Uh, Christopher didn't really name where the incident happened. Um, for this story, though, a close shave, uh, part of the incident is based on a on something that happened on the Revendlass and Estedale Railway, which uh, uh, some of our listeners will probably know was the basis for the Arlesdale Railway in the railway series. Um, not the barbershop part, but the bit about um, half of a train becoming disconnected and becoming a runaway. Um, uh, now, of course, in real life, that didn't end with a locomotive crashing into a barbershop. Uh, it, but in fact, it's, um, you know, a, uh, a, a quick thinking uh, uh, crew member was able to uh, stop the back half of the train and get it reconnected to the rest of it. Um, the second half of the story with the barbershop thing, it may have been a barbershop. It may not have. Christopher's a bit vague on whether it was actually a barbershop or not. Um and as to where it happened. But I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, at least the first half with the part of the train running away was um, based on something that happened on the Reverend Lass in Estedale. That is, uh, that is actually, that's quite interesting. Um, I did yeah. not know that. Um, yeah. The other thing I did want to point out again, just to connect this, um, connecting the stories together, it is nice that um, towards the end of the close shave, the fat controller points out that he says, uh, you're very brave indeed. I'm proud of you. I shall tell Seti of Truro about you next time he comes. So I think that's Ooh. quite interesting um, that it ties that into, again, to the first story that, uh, you know, he's proud of Duck and he makes sure because he knows that Duck is proud, is proud of himself for being great Western, that he will tell another great Western legend um, about, about Duck and, and make sure that he uh, knows about this particular incident. And, uh, right. and again, establishes Duck's great Western identity in the last line of the story, last line of the book, he says, um, there was a really rousing welcome for Duck, the great Western engine. So yeah. it's a, uh, it's it's quite nice. Um, it's interesting actually that he named the book "Duck and the Diesel Engine" instead of "Duck the Great Western Engine," but yeah. um, but then uh, of course he was able to to save a similar title for the book about Oliver later right. in the railway series to Oliver the Western Engine. Although that always bothered me a little bit because, um, of course Oliver was, was Great Western, but at that time, yeah. um, you know, it was British Rail, so it was just a Western region. So makes right. some sense, but I think Oliver the Great Western Engine would have had a better ring to it than Oliver yeah, the Western Engine. Makes him sound like a cowboy. <laughs> it does, kind of. Um, the, yeah, so the one thing I'll say about this is that um, I, I see a lot of 
whenever I'm discussing this set of stories with people, you know, a lot of people are always confused as to why the Fat Controller sent Duck away when in A Close Shave, he mentions that he never believed Diesel. It was, I mean, reading this, it's pretty clear that the Fat Controller was getting, was, was getting Duck, you know, he he was he moved Duck over to Edward's branch line a so he could catch Diesel in the act because you know as long as Duck was there you know it, Diesel was always going to make it look like it was his fault but without a scapegoat and so if Diesel did do something troublesome you know it you'd be able to point out who it was fairly quickly and so you know I I think you know it, it's just interesting that there's that bit of confusion there I think. So yeah, but uh, but no, I I think this is a great story as well. It's not my personal favorite. My personal favorite of the story of these stories is Dirty Work, actually. But um, but yeah, I think this is a great story. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, if I had to rank them, I would probably say uh, a close shave. Um, um, I would probably say a close shave, Dirty Work, Domeless Engines, and Pop Goes the Diesel. I would actually probably do the reverse. I would put dirty work and then a close shave, but uh, I'd say domeless engines and then pop. Yeah, that made sense. So yeah, I might even rank. I might even rank uh, domeless engines above dirty work. Actually, really, uh, I think I, I think I might even like that. Uh, might might like that a little bit more. I, I don't. I don't know. Probably depends on the day, but. Um, nope. uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's a good book. Um, not, I don't necessarily have as much of a fondness for it as many other fans do for some reason. Right. I, I can't really articulate why. Um, I just like other books better in the Railway series. Um, but uh, but it's it's still a it's still a very good book and um, and has some good stories. And it was nice that he wrote about uh, something that was uh, rapidly changing the. Uh, landscape really of, of British rail at that time so it's uh, it, it was quite uh, quite relevant when he wrote it and uh, and of course this particular book came out I believe in the year um, let me double check here that came out in 1958 yes so um, that was uh, published in 1958 and then of course um, it, at this point he was writing a book a year so yep. the previous book was published in 57 and then uh, little old engine was published in 1959 yeah. so um, but yep 1958 so uh, as we are recording this right now that particular uh, book is 63 years old so that oh. um, it's quite remarkable that we're talking about this book, uh, you know, on a podcast, <laughs> uh, 63 years from when it was originally published, but they still feel pretty fresh. And Thomas is, of course, still relevant with the new iterations of it coming out all the time, such as the new series All Engines Go, <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, which which we will not be touching on any specifics uh, of the series in, in any way. Um, it, we're not particularly interested in really talking about much yeah. current in the uh thomas world i guess we should probably establish that uh um i suppose yeah. that we should really we should really call our podcast talking classic thomas because we really don't talk yeah. that much about current anything really related to current thomas events 
um, or the current state of the franchise. Mostly what we are talking about is uh, the uh, Thomas of nostalgia, the Tom, the classic years of the TV series right. and the railway series. Um, probably the most contemporary that we will ever get with this podcast is uh, discussing a, a railway series books that were written in the last 20 years, such as Thomas and Victoria or Thomas and his friends. But um, yeah, well, you know, there's I mean, not really we, much we will be discussing. That's all that's relevant to the current state of the franchise. Exactly. I mean, we might touch on one or two of the specials at some point if we feel like it, but it's mostly going to be like, it's mostly going to be what we grew up with, which would be, you know, the classic TV series. Um, and then, you know, of course, the railway series. And, uh, you know, we'll get into some other topics as well relating to Thomas as the as the podcast goes on. And we've been around um, actually uh, for two years now. And so, you know, it's um, I, I'm having a lot of fun so far. And I hope that all of our listeners are as well. Uh, thanks. If you've if you've no matter how long you've been listening, thanks for sticking with us. And, uh, you know, hopefully you've enjoyed what you've heard over the last two years and we'll continue to bring you stuff that uh, uh, that you enjoy. <laughs> so, yes. But uh uh, yeah, no, to sum up then, I think that uh, Dustin and these Lungeons is a great book. Uh, like you, I don't really um, rate it as one of the best books ever. I think it's very good. It's not my favorite book, though. Uh, I've my, I, I have a hard time picking out what my favorite and or least favorite book is, but this is not necessarily it. Um, I think it's very good, though. It's definitely, like I'd say, probably in my top 10, if not top 5, I'd say. So. Yeah, I would say it might be in my top ten. Um, I, I don't think it would be in my top five, but um, but it's certainly in in my top ten. And um, uh, we will, of course, evaluate the railway series and where we kind of stand on our our rankings and our thoughts yeah. on the books throughout this process as we go through all of the reference books and then all of uh, Christopher Audrey's books. So, so stay tuned for that. And then we'll have some more, uh, some more exciting episodes on the way. Um, eventually we'll be diving into series four of the TV series, mm-hmm. um, which uh, we have, uh, we've gone up to season three. So uh, we'll do season four next and then uh, maybe some more shiny time station. And we'll, we're going to try to mix it up a little bit, have some more general Thomas discussions as well. Uh, yeah. Kind of mix up our, our format, mix up our formula a little bit. So we, we thank you for sticking with us, uh, even though we were on a little bit of an unannounced hiatus there for uh, a few months throughout yeah. the summer. Um, but we're happy to be back and we hope that, that you're happy to have us back and uh, let us know what you think. You can uh, give us a, give us a like rate us on our services on which we are located. So that would be uh, Spotify. And then of course you can give us a rating on Apple podcasts, uh, Google podcasts. We're also available on our home, which is anchor. Yep. And then you can find us on our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash talking Thomas pod, or of course, of course our uh, Twitter page, which is uh, at talking Thomas one. So uh, check us out there, and uh, we hope that you enjoyed this discussion of Duck and the Diesel Engine. Many more exciting things on the way, and uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.